You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texans Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am John, some sports guy Hickman, and as always, my partner in crime, Cody Davis. Deshaun Watson had a disappointing outing on Sunday during the Houston Texans 16-10 loss against the Carolina Panthers. Following the game, Watson took some time to get some post-game reps in with Texans quarterback head coach, Quincy Avery. Definitely good to see him get back on that field, whether it was with uh, himself or 11 other guys. Just good to see him work on those reps to improve week in and week out. Especially after a game where he only threw for 160 yards. But John, the only thing I hope I hope Coach Avery teaches Deshaun Watson how to get rid of the ball quick enough so he won't take six sacks. Definitely hope that happens. And on top of that, if you know Deshaun Watson like we do, he is a leader and a man amongst men. He just wants to get better, especially after a week where you won AFC Player of the Week. So good to see him back on the field. For more Deshaun Watson and Texans talk, don't forget to head on over to Locked On Texans Podcast. And as always, you can find Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, megaphone and of course the brand new you can argue that sports.com guys you know you can find just just a good a good lesson right in the press conference rooms when deshaun watson is talking there was a reporter aaron reese from the athletic athletic he asked deshaun shout out to my boy aaron reese man i love aaron reese work aaron if you listen to this and i know you do please come on the show one day we would love to have you i want to hear what deshaun watson has to say over and over again about coverages and defenses. But if you guys haven't caught what happened, well, listen to what Deshaun had to say. Uh, I mean, you know what coverage you're playing? Well, you, you said I'm earlier. Not, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not, no, no, no. I, I, I want to discover this cover four. Yeah. So what the, the safeties are doing, they're playing deep. And they're guarding number two. Corner sink, and they trap two. So what they're doing is keeping everything in front. The linebackers are playing, and then across. Kiki is playing in the middle. He stops everything that crosses the middle. He jumps everything that the safety is charging on number two. So if the safeties are playing low, then we can't take that. We have to hit double moves. We did the post because Reed stepped up on two with an out over the top. I didn't hit it. Same thing with hop. In route, safety jumped up. You know, vertical, I didn't hit it. That was the only two. After that, they played back. Perfect two, six, buzz, which is safety. Reed comes in between. Keekly, the outside linebacker. That was beautiful. He was pissed. You, you. That was beautiful, though. He was pissed. I've noticed this since I've been in this business. I've noticed athletes only do stuff like that when they are pissed. They know they had a bad game, and everybody in the world are saying either a they can do better or b how bad and terrible of a player they are. And they sit there. They take time. To break down the game, something you and I and everybody else has never thought about, to make it seem like, hey, at the end of the day, I'm still better than you, and this is why I have the job, and you don't. I, you know, I love, it. I do, <laughs> you know, I really and, do. And like I said, I love you. You know, I know, I don't want to get off topic here, and I promise we won't go back. But you remember when LeBron had that bad game in the finals, and they asked him a question. I loved it. And he literally I said the it. next five possessions in order. Yeah. Like, athletes only do this when they pissed off. Like I said, just a testimony of saying, it. hey, at the end of the day, 
I know I had a bad game, but I know what I'm doing, and you don't. What I love the most is athletes, when they really get pissed and they tell us, listen, I'm finna go home to my mansion. What are you going home to? I love it. Talk about us. <laughs> talk about us, because we talk about you guys all the time. Um, specifically how we, we've had issues with Deshaun Watson and getting the ball out quickly, but that's something we want to discuss a little bit later on in the show, and um, I can't wait to discuss that. But getting back to Deshaun uh, real quick and briefly, I just I do love it because um, seeing the progressions of what actually goes on. Because, mind you, a lot of times when we watch TV games and we're not at the stadium, a lot of times we don't see those safeties back there. No, we don't. We I mean, don't. Unless all we see is Watson. We're only in the, in the offensive line, and we may see the, the, you know, we see the front seven of the defense and then the corners, but we don't see the safeties back there. And we, 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 we get mad. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Hey, coverage wouldn't allow it. Well, and so his approach to that was beautiful. The way he laid it out there. Was he pissed? I'm pretty sure he was. But I think he caught himself before he maybe wanted to take it somewhere else. <laughs> Who knows? But he laid it out perfectly. Everybody wanted that. What I do give Deshaun Watson credit for, he noticed that on the field and he didn't throw the ball. Other than Dak Prescott, who decided to throw a Hail Mary pass. <laughs> Wait, what was that? That was what quadruple double four. I think I was on him. <laughs> but I mean, you know, hey, shout out to Deshaun Watson, guys. I mean, as we open up the show, Deshaun Watson actually had the opportunity following Sunday's game to go out and get a couple reps in with with quarterback coach Quincy Avery. Um, he, he knows he stunk up the joint. Yeah, and the best thing about it is he got right back on the field. That's his home field. This is my house. And he could have been like Bill O'Brien, who this is what he did in his press conference. I, I definitely have to tell you guys I this. Like it was, a, you know, he landed and slid, and so I felt like I could challenge the spot and the catch. But, you know, I felt like he probably did catch the ball, but I challenged the, both things, really, the spot and the catch. What? A wop, bop, a loop, a wop, bum, bum. Locked on Texans, guys. I, I, we, we have a show for you today, of course. Just want to talk about some more game recap. We will have a guest on for you today, so I can't wait to uh, just have some fun and play around with that. Panthers was a disappointing loss. This is part of the last day we talk about the Panthers as a game recap and as a whole, probably. Uh, we have to move on to the Atlanta Falcons game Sunday at home, which I will be in attendance for. Can't wait to see that game and get that going. Uh, outside of that, Cody, there are some other things I wanted to discuss today. Uh, I kind of just wanted to play around with the Bill O'Brien press conference. Just got that out. Uh, we did, considering this is a group that I personally had no faith in. It's only a couple weeks ago. I got to give this group, uh, area on the team, a shout out. The secondary played great. Oh, now you want to talk the about secondary, the secondary. When I've been trying my hardest last week. Saying that the secondary is trending in the right direction. And I'm hearing from you. I'm hearing from my cousins. I'm hearing from the fans. What are you talking about? You're giving them too much credit. So they looking even better. Now you want to. Okay. When I when, when I was on that bandwagon, you, you didn't want to say it. Okay. Okay. I see how it is. I apologize. That, that, thank you. I want all my apologies. You too, Evie. 
I apologize. The secondary played great. You can see teams are going to pick and go after Lonnie Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Lonnie Johnson been bowling. Yeah, he 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 has drives or possessions or whatever the case is where you look at him and it's like, okay, well, that was a bad play. You could have did this. You could have. Well, he's a but rookie. He, he's a rookie, and on top of that, you know, he's a guy that I think if we give him the bad. I have to give you the good. He's playing. He's playing really well right now. Roby is playing exceptional. Jonathan Joseph actually had a good day Sunday. There's Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, he's also 137 years old. But so he's I still balling. When he get his when he get his second win, he the man can ball. Yeah, that second win come after a while. <laughs> he take him forever to catch it. Um, also, the defense total. Uh, here's a guy that I want to shout out. DJ Reader had another big day Sunday. He also helped. Helped the Houston Texans defense contain McCaffrey. McCaffrey had himself a day, but overall he had 93 yards rushing, um, which was three-point yards per carry. And everybody else not named Christian McCaffrey was held to a total 146 yards. That is amazing. Now, Christian McCaffrey, he, he had, what, over 170 yards? Uh, maybe 180. I'm not sure what the exact number is. Combine. Combine, yeah, rather. Combine. Uh, but Greg Olson, none factor in this game. DJ Moore, I, I, DJ Moore didn't do much. The the hype everybody had about Kyle Allen in his defense, well, Kyle Allen had three fumbles This 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 in his offense. Kyle Allen had three fumbles. The offense didn't do anything if you were not named Christian McCaffrey. We talked about our offense yesterday uh, and how we were disappointing and how we, we we felt we could do this better. And we, we've seen this in the whole nine. But the defense, the defense played their tails off. You hold a guy who McCaffrey was number one rusher in the league. Top two. He was number two. Number two in the league. You hold him to under 100 yards. Everybody else in your offense that you're going up against is a non-factor. Don't hang your head high. The defense came to play. Just the offense. Just just the offense. And going into this game Sunday, here's a couple things I am expecting. Sunday will have a premier matchup against receivers, the battle of the receivers. Who is the undisputed number one? Is it Julio? Is it Hopkins? We say Hopkins. A lot of people say Julio. These are both two guys that one and one at their position, couple games where they really was a factor. Actually, for Hopkins, only one real game as as a factor. Julio, he had a big game. These guys are going to come into Sunday. I think it'll be a fun, entertaining matchup because I think both receivers will have an awesome chance of having a great day. So I can't wait to be at that game. And there was also something else I wanted to give you guys. Just a quick tidbit. Last week, what did we see Atkins do? He had himself a good day. 70-plus yards, two touchdowns. I want to see more out of our tight end group as a whole. I believe Atkins, Cody, is the better tight end. I want to see more out of our tight end group. That way, you have all these weapons. Why not play with them? You have an Atkins who's shown he can make big plays when you give him the ball. He can run it. You have fails. We have yet to see Cahill Warren, and I'm not sure if we need to see him this year. If he's not healthy to play right now after a couple weeks, 
after the Falcons game and after that, if he's still not able to play, I, maybe just sit him for the entire year. Let your guys that you have on the roster who's been here since day one go out and play. But I would like to see more tight end attention after the game Atkins had last week with those two touchdowns, especially in the red zone. In the red zone, that's not the area of the field where you use DeAndre Hopkins to throw a pass to Carlos Hyde when you're at the 19-yard line. And what did Bill O'Brien say about that pass? Well, not Bill O'Brien. What did Sean Watson say about that pass? He tried to call it off. He knew it was bad. Watson, <laughs> Watson knew it was bad. We're at the 19-yard line, and we're fighting for a touch. I'm not going to go off on that. No, no, you need to. We're at the 19-yard line, and we're throwing oh, a receiver pass across yeah. the field. But to make matters worse, it's not just any receiver. It's not like it's me or you or the listeners. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Why not throw him the ball? It was just a lot of dumb mistakes that happened on Sunday. A lot of drive killers. It was one drive killer when we were um, tied 3-3. Pass went to the middle of the field of Will Fuller, picked up 12 yards. Deshaun Watson scrambles, picked up 10 yards. A, a, a running play to Carlos Hyde, he picks up six yards. This is at the Carolina 18-yard line, a drive killer. I just gave you two first down plays in a row and another positive play. We end up to the 18-yard line, and that is when DeAndre Hopkins' pass was short right intended to Carlos Hyde, intercepted by Crockle at the Carolina 9. A huge drive killer when we're trying to get a touchdown. So I'm not saying I don't want to see it again because Ron Rivera said they tried to run the same play last year. They picked up on it on film, and I love film room sessions. They got it over to the defense, and they were prepared for it. So kudos to them. I'm not saying I don't want to see it again. I'd rather be up at least a touchdown before I pull that trick out of my back. But just like anything in the NFL, if you love it, you love it. Once you hate it, you hate it. And so uh, that's how it goes. And I definitely want to let you guys know about DoorDash. If you're stuck at home, wherever you are, at school, working on a project, can't move around like you want to, treat yourself to the meal you deserve, your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code locked on. Again, that is promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. We definitely can't wait to continue the show today. Locked on Texas Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Some sports guy, Cody Davis. Don't you touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Texans podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, we definitely appreciate you lending your ear. Whether you are in the car picking up your kids to go to a doctor's appointment, going to get some happy hour at Sonic, it doesn't matter. We really appreciate your time. And as promised, we do have a guest on today, Matt Hammond of the Matt Hammond Show. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Hammond Show. Houston fans, you may know him from Sports 610 AM here in the city of Houston. Matt, what's going on? Guys, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. How are you? Doing, Doing good. well, Doing man. Good. We really appreciate you being on. And how's Austin right now? Austin is, uh, I mean, I guess in a word, weird. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's something. I, uh, I didn't really know what to expect before I got there. But no, between the live music scene, the barbecue, the state income tax, as per usual. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Oh, what about UT? I know it's a couple of little sad Longhorn fans out there, huh? Yeah, and we actually went to, my girlfriend and I went to the uh, Texas Oklahoma State game. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Uh, 
thinking. Um, it's different. Like, even within Houston, Houston's a great sports town, but it's very, the vibe in Austin is it's very collegiate. There's really no other way to describe it that it really does feel like um, one big tight neck community. Like, Houston, remember, is one of the biggest cities in the country. Uh, it's not a lot different than Atlanta, Chicago, a lot of big cities that are in the middle of the country, um, typically the way that people get there is they move there, right? Uh, and, that's, and that's awesome. Uh, it's, not, it's not a shot at all, but it does create sort of a different vibe where it's very, very diverse, very cosmopolitan, all in a good way. So, like, when you go to Austin, Texas, you go to see a football game, I mean, it is, you've got 60,000 people who are, you know, they got a one-track mind, it's, it's a lot more football. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely different, but uh, no, definitely, uh, you know, Houston was my first home in Texas, and, uh, you know, I missed the hell out of it. I'm sure Houston misses you. Uh, I'm sure Bill O'Brien doesn't miss you. And uh, the criticism, and, and the constructive criticism that uh, you, I, Cody, we've all had for him. And just looking at the 16-10 to 10 loss on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, you know, what was your takeaway from that game? I mean, I think the good news is that uh, for the fourth time this season, the Texans have been far and away the better team. Uh, even if you look uh, week one against the Saints, uh, which they ended up being in that game as, I believe, seven, seven-and-a-half-point underdog, uh, they controlled the game, uh, were able to do pretty much anything they wanted to do offensively, especially in the first half. Um, really, every week this season, the Texans have had a better roster, and it's not – I don't even think that's that controversial. Um, but the problem is that for uh, at least the second – time this season, arguably the third, if you want to count the Jaguars game, um, the Texans just haven't had it with the coaching staff. And, you know, I mean, we've all had a relationship with someone who's really hot and cold, right? And one day, you know, you wake up next to her and you're like, oh, good God, like, this, is, this is going to be the future of mother of my kids. You know, this is, this is everything I ever wanted. Uh, and then she ends up taking a fight about, you know, 20 minutes later about you looking at another chick when you're out in public with her and you weren't even looking like it's, it's so up and down with this team where if you look um you know week one against the Saints, they look like one of the three best teams in the AFC they didn't win but they should have and if they roll into every week like that that's a team that is on anybody's level um in the conference maybe even the Patriots and the Chiefs uh but in the following week they completely went to bed against the Jaguars uh you know, week three and week four, it was rinse repeat, where uh, last week against the Chargers, you could argue that was Bill O'Brien's best regular season win um, since he's been the head coach of the Texans since 2014. Uh, and you can make a legitimate argument that that loss yesterday was Bill O'Brien's worst loss. Like, even if you look at uh, last season against the Titans, Deshaun Watson was only three games coming off of an ACL care. Uh, 2015 against the Dolphins or the Falcons, yeah, they were blowout losses, but didn't have Deshaun Watson. Uh, Kyle Allen is much better than you think. Uh, the Panthers are better than you think. In fact, um, you know, not to take a swipe at Cam Newton, but I think they're, you know, it's pretty clear that they're in better hands now with Kyle Allen. Um, but when you're a four and a half point favorite at home in a non-conference game, uh, coming off of that win against the Chargers, that can't happen. And yet you've got a critical red zone turnover, really for no reason, and then Bill O'Brien lighting timeouts on fire. Um, <laughs> that that's kind of tough to wrap your head around. It really is. 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I totally agree, Cody. Didn't I say on the previous show that yesterday's looking at Sunday, um, that was Bill O'Brien's loss simply because you have the NFC South this season. Now, you had a hell of a game against the Saints, and if it wasn't for, I don't know what Romeo Cornell and the defense was thinking, playing so far back, maybe you pull out that game with a win, you know? Uh, then I look at the following weeks against the Jaguars, ugly game. I like that Jaguar game because it showed me that you guys have some resilience. You fight, and it doesn't matter how you get it done, you got it done. And then the, the L.A. Chargers game, that was the game where everybody was just thinking to themselves, wow, this is the team that we need to see. Hmm. Uh, J.J. Watt finally got his sack. Merciless continued his tear. D.J. Reader, who, by the way, had uh, great games back-to-back week. They were on fire. So when you get to this game in the NFC South where you're already down 0-1 and you want to be considered one of the best teams in the entire league, well, we know that, especially right now, the entire AFC South is 2-2. So we know your division is what it is. But you have to go out and win games outside of your division to make it like you're somebody. And that is where Bill O'Brien really lost me. That red zone turnover, and I mentioned it early on in the show, we had three positive plays in a row, two of which was first down. Why throw that on the 18-yard line? You're in the Carolinas 18 in the red zone. Instead of throwing to Hopkins, who needed to get going, why make him throw the ball when you're down, or not down, tied 3-3, doesn't have a touchdown yet. So those are the areas of the game with Bill O'Brien, especially the clock management issues where me, as a fan of Bill O'Brien, as long as I've been, now I have to question myself. Is it even really worth it? Because yesterday, uh, Sunday rather, was just not what needed to be shown on the field, especially in a home crowd. Yeah, when you bring up, I mean, let's step into those two issues. First, clock and game management. Um, and then, you know, the decision to throw uh, that wide receiver pass in the red zone. You know, Bill O'Brien's game management, I think it's a fair criticism. It has been a chronic problem. Really, since he got the draft in 2014, I don't lose too much sleep over clock and game management because at the end of the day, this is something that almost every NFL head coach struggles with. Uh, Sean McVay, in a primetime game last season against the Eagles, you can make an argument that Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the NFL, certainly the best young coach in the NFL. He blew the game with clock management. Bruce Arians last week, uh, the Bucks had a chance to get a game-winning field goal spoil Danny Dimes' NFL debut. He purposely takes a delay of game penalty because he thinks that his kicker, not in college football, where the hash marks are wide, but in the NFL would be better from distance. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at game and clock management, this is not an oldie. Um, you know, I think it's a legitimate criticism if, you know, you're almost giving you shit for having ADD and, you know, being spacey and not listening to stories. Honey, all guys are like that. Like, it's just, you can, you can make it a federal offense, but if you're going to break up with somebody over that, you know, good luck finding someone who doesn't have that issue themselves. It's the same thing with NFL head coaches. Um, I would fire Bill O'Brien over game clock management because if that's the final straw and if that's the thing that you feel like you need to upgrade over, um, good luck finding a coach that's good, but the very few are consistently. Uh, bottom line, these guys have so much that they're dealing with. Uh, during the game, uh, you know, in real time, the bullets are flying. Uh, guys just make those types of mistakes. But I think, you know, it's, it, it's a fair criticism to say that 
Bill O'Brien at this point should know his nature and should know that he's prone to these types of lapses and that the clock and the game management has become an issue. You know, go hire some work from Rice University who should sit there crunching numbers uh, and can help you with some of the situational stuff. You know, nobody's expecting Bill O'Brien to do it. Uh, you know, this isn't the, the you know, the Zach Galifianakis hangover counting cards. Uh, here. Like, nobody expects Bill O'Brien to be, uh, you know, some wonder kid on the sidelines, but we do expect you to seek help um, and acknowledge that you need it. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the wide receiver pass in the red zone is interesting. I, I thought a lot about this, and I had a feeling that you guys were going to ask about this. I don't have an issue with trick plays, because what really are trick plays? It's a form of being aggressive, and that's something that uh, Texans fans right. said that they wanted. That's something that, frankly, NFL head coaches shouldn't. So I don't, I don't hate the idea of trick plays. And the aggressive, you know, that's the same mentality that we've seen Bill O'Brien go for it on fourth downs in critical situations twice already this season. Both times were touchdowns. That, that, that's a welcome change. By the way, if you want to take a more macro view, um, aggressive is trading two first-round picks and a second for Laramie Tunstall, also having Kenny Stills in the deal. Uh, being willing to trade Jadevian Clowney in a highly controversial decision uh, and enabling Whitney Merciless and DJ Reader and you know all these other players on defense to really step up. I, I don't I don't mean it in a character assassinating way as it often is when you use this term, but uh, trading Jadevian Clowney was very much addition by subtraction. Um, the same type of mentality that's led Bill O'Brien to make a lot of these moves with benching quarterbacks the GM moves, you know, I think is overall a good attitude and a good mentality. So like, here's the thing. If you're going to have a freaking wide receiver throw a pass in the red zone, he needs to know, A, there's a very realistic possibility that on this play, the corner sits. Deshaun Watson talked about it after the game. The reason he didn't play, he saw something on film where if they throw a jailbreak screen to the other side of the field, that the corner was going to follow the tight end, in that case, if it was man coverage. Okay, fine. Uh, what happens if it's zone, right? And if it's zone, DeAndre Hopkins needs to see it, which he, he didn't. And he needs to eat it, which he didn't. Um, so, I mean, I think, again, like, I, I like I like the fact that if Bill O'Brien sees something that he thinks he can take advantage of, he doesn't really care what people think or what Twitter's going to say or, you know, like, I think that's a good mentality. Um, but the reason that, you know, Belichick gets stuff like that to work, they they, they obsessively plan for it, and to the point where executing it becomes second nature. You can also make a criticism that, you know, when you look at two of the biggest uh, trick play artists in the NFL today, arguably uh, Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin, when they call trick plays, I mean, they're putting players in familiar situations. You might remember in the Super Bowl when Antoine Randall-L ended up becoming the MVP of that Super Bowl in part for a double pass, not a lot different than the other Hopkins double pass, Antoine Randall Hill played quarterback in college. Julian Edelman played quarterback in college. Um, unless I'm missing something, and DeAndre Hopkins was a high school wide receiver for a hot minute, like, I don't, you know, I, I don't remember him ever doing that. Um, so, I mean, I think that, you know, th- th- there are a number of issues with it. Like, the, a lot of people brought up the Wattcat. Um, that's a terrible example. Like, the Wattcat, I'm not saying it was a great play call, but it was so overstated at the time because, what Bill O'Brien was doing was ultimately desperation, not to relitigate the entire. He was trying to put the ball in his best so, player's hand. At that, in that yeah, year, he didn't have Watson. It, 
if you remember, yes, yeah, if you remember the situation, the Texans offensive line was one of the worst short yarded. Their, their running game was one of the worst short yarded running games in the NFL. ESPN even had the graphic like 30 seconds before the play. Uh, you had a quarterback who was best case scenario uh, choking, worst case scenario dealing with a concussion. You know, let's put the ball in the biggest, baddest dude's hands in a direct snap where it's, you know, man blocking, everybody's locked forward. Like, the Wildcat was just glorified desperation. I mean, that passed yesterday. You have Deshaun Watson and, by the way, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, it, you know, it, 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 once again, it's just really tough to wrap your head around. Not even so much the call, but the fact that it's, it's clear that they didn't drill it enough so that they could properly execute it in a game. Yeah. I, my problem wasn't with the call. I like trickery. It was the timing of the call. Cody has a question. Hey, Matt. Um, especially after yesterday's game, me and John talked. We well, we actually kind of debated. I am starting to get a little bit concerned about DeAndre Hopkins because for the third consecutive game, this is a guy who has failed to record at least seventy reception yards. Um, he's not catching the ball like he's used to. Um. And then, I, I don't know if you've seen it too, but it seems like there's like a little bit of an unhappy side to him now. Um, he's, he's, he, he just doesn't have the same mojo that, he, that, that we have all became accustomed to and we all started loving him for. So, it, is it bad to start being a little bit concerned about what's wrong with DeAndre Hopkins? Or do you think it's still early in the season and this is a guy who can still... Um, get his mojo back and be the best receiver in the league. So it's interesting. Um, you asked about whether or not he was happy. I haven't seen anything, um, whether it's a sideline shot or in between plays or body language. I haven't seen anything, uh, but I, you know I will keep an eye on that because it is worth noting. DeAndre Hopkins being arguably the most patient wide receiver in the NFL, given everything that he's had to deal with. Um, eventually, patience wears thin, and I think that if at some point, you know, at a time where Jalen Ramsey is demanding a trade, and we've seen Antonio Brown uh, strong on his way out of NFL teams, I, I don't think that we would see that with DeAndre, but, I mean, stranger things have happened. It's certainly worth keeping an eye on. Um, I, I mean, I think as far as DeAndre's performance, first of all, let's not confuse catches, yards, touchdowns with production, because production can be more than that. For instance, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that wealth isn't just about money. Uh, is that, you know, if you are, let's say, uh, a junior trader on Wall Street and you make like, you know, $150,000 a year, but you work 80 hours a week and you work weekends and you work holidays, you know, are you really that wealthy as opposed to somebody who makes maybe $60,000 a year, but they only work 40 hours a week to actually get to spend time with their family and kids? Um, wealth isn't just money, it's also time. Uh, I think with NFL wide receivers, you have to remember beyond the catches, yards, touchdowns, there's also the space that you create. And I think, uh, you know, as tough as it was to see Kenny Stills rip off probably, uh, you know, significant hamstring injury, we can't be naive enough to think that part of the reason that Kenny Stills is so open is because of the attention that DeAndre Hopkins is commanding. Uh, for me, the same thing with Will Fuller. You know, Will Fuller... Uh, a lot of people look at the deep threat wide receiver as, okay, he's changing the defense and you have to have safety help over the top. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's absolutely commanding that same attention from defense. So I think with DeAndre, um, Bill O'Brien for the first time since he's been the 
Texas head coach in 2014. Uh, he's got some toys to play with. He's got two legitimate running backs who are both averaging over five and a half yards of carry. Uh, both are effective in the passing game. You know, you've got Will Fuller and Kenny Stills and Kiki QT and DeAndre Carter and a couple of tight ends. Uh, I, I'm not too concerned with uh, DeAndre Hopkins not uh, putting up a bunch of catches, yards, and touchdowns. He is dealing with a rib injury. That's something we're keeping an eye on. But uh, if anything, I like the fact that for the first time since 2015, the Texas offense isn't completely reliant upon DeAndre because over time, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins was a running back, we'd be freaking the hell out about the number of touches. Well, it might be a different workload, but the number of targets and catches that DeAndre's had really since 2015, um, that should be concerning. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't know that I'm that worried about uh, his overall production because I think he is producing, albeit in a different way, um, and bottom line, he still is uh, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Guys, that was Matt Hammond of the Matt Hammond Show on Twitter. Please follow him. We really appreciate him here on Locked On Texans Podcast. Matt, we definitely want you on some point um, another game of the season a little bit more often. Is that all right? Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much for the time. Really appreciate it. All right. No thanks, problem. Matt. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Have a good one. That was Matt Hammond. At Matt Hammond on Twitter. I love following him. You know, I actually, a few days ago was the first time I actually hit the follow button. But I have been following Matt Hammond for a very long time. And uh, I do like how he is critical of our head coach. Uh, Doesn't really accept the mediocre uh, from our organization. So I do enjoy follow. I do enjoy following Matt Hammond, rather. Um, Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> I don't know, John. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see about this, John. We're going to have to see. I'm sorry. We're going to have to see about this DeAndre Hopkins situation. We definitely have to see about that. I don't think it's too much right now uh, at all. We definitely will keep an eye out third on Third game Steels. in a row. Not third even 70. But him and Julio Jones are two receivers that they – well, not him. Not, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not capable of going out and have a you just want, Deshaun Watson game. I'm, I'm, I just don't see the same mojo. It's not there this year. It was there Except for the But that was the only game. We're now entering week five and – It'll be okay. All right. He'll be all right. I want you to say the same thing come week eight, week He'll nine. Be okay. He'll be he he will be okay, I tell you that. And guys, let me tell you something. You want to be okay whenever you bet your money. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie has the fastest payouts, better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and you should too. I won't be telling you this if I didn't do it myself. Do the smart thing. Bet with mybookie.ag. Start off with this Thursday night game. Whenever you start off, use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on because if you use that, my bookie will double your first deposit. Who doesn't want more money to play with? They'll, they'll match that. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Locked On Texas Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, this is a great show. I have fun. Uh, some sports guy, follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two Y's. Always across from me, Cody Davis. And please follow me on Twitter at Cody, C O T Y D V I S underscore 24. Until next time, word to the wise manage your time better. Manage your time. I was going to say, fill up your car. 
on Sunday. I, I, I don't know. Manage your time better. Manage your time better. Manage your time better. I like that. And don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On Texans podcast. And you can argue that sports.com. Peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.